Mo ha 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 ha. 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 Mo what? What what are we doing? We're being evil. It just it just sounds like we're laughing back and forth at each other. Diabolically laughing back and forth at one at, at each other. Uh, what? I I don't I don't get it. I thought we were playing uh the evil guys this game. Oh yeah 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 we we are. Step one to playing an evil game is to get the laugh down. Oh okay. Mwahahahaha. This time on Becoming DM, we continue our discussion on running evil campaigns. If you haven't yet, make sure to check out the first half of this conversation at becomingdm.com slash EP74. Now let's join the conversation in progress. So I think that one of the nice things about, about having factions in the game is that it does allow you to um, set up storylines, like we said. So I'll, I'll name a couple, and then I'll, I'll kind of hand it over to you to name a couple. I, I think that that um, when you talk about factions with regards to there's a there's a good or nemesis faction that that's that's interacting with the party or their faction, um, you can have them hassling hassling that that wherever they go. And so maybe maybe the party has to go and basically do something to that faction to to uh, to stop the hassling and, and give them more freedom of, of movement. Um, maybe that good faction has some sort of artifact that allows them to quickly travel the realm. I, again, this this still kind of goes to the same sort of thing, but now you've got this kind of heist thing where maybe the party's trying to steal that uh, that artifact to give their own faction that ability, stuff like that. Um, raiding caravans, uh, um, stuff like that. What, what about you? Any any other uh, faction kind of storylines that you could easily add in? I think I think a cool one that you can do rather easily with factions um, would be like espionage. You know, spy stuff, spy mm-hmm. stuff. Um, that kind of theme where the parties have to go and infiltrate uh, the good guys, or or they're uh, like. Uh, uh, not necessarily the good guys, but an opposing faction, right? Yep. And you do a little bit of spy work. You figure out what they're up to. Maybe learn um, about some super, super juicy news that uh, your party can act on. A uh, great way to develop plot, or not, not develop, a great way to show them plot hooks. I can't think of the yep. right word, but um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, like, I think Look, that- there it is. Bite it. I think the fun thing about having them infiltrate a good guys faction is because they're 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 playing these evil line characters, which is something that they're not used to doing, and having these evil line characters play these good guys, which is something the characters are not used to doing, but the players are, and so it gets to be this really weird cascading meta thing. Um, I, it's interesting for me me to think about watching. I haven't done a whole lot like that, but but that's kind of the first thing I think about when I, when we talk about infiltrating the good guys um, is like how weird is that going to be for the players? It would be super weird, I, and like you said, it'd be even weird 
from like our perspective because I'm used to if I know that the party's spying on me, right? Me being whoever the NPCs are, mm-hmm. um, usually they're not like really great guys. Yep. You know, you can be like, oh, I just donated four thousand dollars to charity. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, give them something to steal. So as a, as a minion, um, as they're running around and so we're talking about setting up storylines, uh, they could send them, they could be sent to go pick up like artifacts or go fetch them even from like a different chapter and bring them over to kind of depending on your level. Um, kidnapping's an option, just general all around thievery. Uh, or maybe they're in like a military or militia that's taking over, um, for the evil goals of the leader and uh, you could have a lot of combat skirmishes that way if you're especially if your players are very combat focused yeah absolutely yeah um and, and that's that's one of the things is that there there's not a specific type of game that you have to run to run an evil game it's just a matter of what you focus on when you do it it's just like any other any other style of uh style of play that you're going to do yeah it's like a forest but with daggers <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but it's like a forest, but with evil. Um, yeah. So I think um, <laughs> moving on, one of the things I think is really important. It's important for any game, but I think that uh, for for really in depth evil games, it's super important to know what's going on in your world and to understand what the character should know, because as part of a faction, they might have a network of of information that they can get that that their characters on the good guy side may not know because they're they're on the good guys they're not worried about about all of these different uh underhanded networks that are gathering information or anything like that but because of um of all this information that that they might have the thing that's really cool is if you have a party that that is uh that is uh really proactive and into the role-playing aspect of it they can actually choose the thing that they're going to do without you having even developed a plot hook like oh hey this per this this person's getting married we're gonna go and kidnap the the bride to 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 do a ransom oh i just said that offhanded but sure let's do that i guess yeah because they are the bad guys who are plotting and scheming you just need to react to their plots and schemes with good guys trying to rescue people. Yeah. And, and I will say, like, it's not um, it's not something that only people playing bad guys can do. You can definitely have people playing the good guys choose what they're going to do to try and advance a, a, advance a goal. But I, what I have found is that most of the time, they're the when people are playing the good good guys they're relying upon a hook that's been designed as a hook and then and then from there they 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 make their plans and 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 decide on how they're going to move forward where for a for a truly motivated evil party they're just taking information not necessarily built as a hook or anything like that could be background information and they're like oh that's what we want to do um and i think that's one of the key differences that i've seen yeah, and then it just kind of exploited, I guess. Well, and that kind of tells you where you need to to build out more stuff is because they're they're like, we want to do this. Oh, well, I hadn't thought about any of the details for that, so let me do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
at very least you only ever have to come up with like like relatively mundane things right because mm-hmm. i know when i usually plan a bbeg i've got lots of intricate moving pieces but really if you just have a group of rap scallions running around causing havoc um you just you really like you just need to kind of just have a normal world for them to just mess up yeah absolutely sounds kind of chill <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie it sounds, sounds actually kind of relaxing until you know you have to develop the the exciting bits about it but again this this do, does go back to knowing your players um there are going to be some groups that do really well at stuff like that and there are going to be some groups that you could tell them all of what's going on in the news and they're gonna be like great what now which that's that's okay that just means that that you as the dm need to understand that and understand what whether you need to to put in more hooks that lead them to those evil actions or or whether you just need to to lay out what's going on in the world yes absolutely okay so i think like i'm excited let's talk about getting your players excited and making it exciting I think that this is probably the most fun because it's the exciting part. So <laughs> it makes it's sense. It's in the right? name. Come on. It's in the name. <laughs> um, so something that you can do uh, as as like a regular adventuring party, when your players get cursed items, that's usually a pretty bad thing. Players don't uh, don't usually want cursed items. But when you when you're doing like an evil campaign, you can have cursed items be like be like the thing that they're after like this the like a, an exciting thing not a bad thing and uh that and like uh coupled with uh giving them access to forbidden spells or forbidden magic that they have to go and find and unlock or they find these scrolls and this wherever and it's magic that they don't know obviously at that point in time you'd have to come up with that spell if you wanted to just go off the cuff with it um but something that i think is neat is that when when you have a player who gets a cursed item in like a normal campaign or a good campaign, let's say, and they have to make challenges or checks against it because um, it, they don't want to be cursed. Right? right. And so that's bad. But then if you have an evil player, I think you can you can really kind of fold that into kind of like challenges or like puzzles, uh, I guess, sort of idea with your players. And uh, when they get the cursed item they they are using their like their like evil essence or whatever to kind of overpower the item if that makes sense and then and then that item like helps them but is also cursed but they're evil so it just kind of like amplifies their evilness yeah and this is something that you can if you have again if you have the the right kind of player who's really into the role playing aspect, you can tell them that that they gain this extra power, but at a cost. It it does it makes them more more arrogant, gives them more paranoia, madness, whatever. And if you've got a player that's really into role playing, it, it can be it can be pretty exciting to watch them take that and like do what do with it what they will, uh, because you're not only you're not only giving them quote unquote a a disadvantage. Um, 
you're you're giving them a, a big advantage by giving them this additional power. They just have to kind of act out what's uh, what's happening as a result, which I think is 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 fun. I think it could be very exciting, especially if you had a, a group of players who were very big into the role playing aspect. Um, I think it could definitely add like a layer of kind of I don't want to say depth. Depth feels like the wrong word, but um, something exciting with uh, with how it's going. But uh, also, so that's that's kind of like how it affects them. I want to talk about where the evil people live, right? And so good they people... They live in an evil can, cottage in the evil plains, right? With the evil bunnies. That <laughs> with the very nice fur. The liver fur. Liver bunnies. Um, liver bunnies. <laughs> but heroes, are, like, they have to go out and like find bad guys. Because bad guys, they're, they're doing a thing. They've got... Uh, you know, shops set up. I don't know what they're doing. But uh, I feel like as heroes, you're constantly like adventuring out to go find them. Whereas evil, like the big bad evil guys, um, in a, I don't know, I, I think a decent percentage of the time are kind of like hunkered down, um, affecting a direct area. And this means, I, I'll get to the point eventually, this means <laughs> that they have an evil lair, Right. They can have a lair. How cool is that? I want a lair. Maybe yeah, anything, and, but I want one. And like, if you think about it, like the head evil dude, he's not going out and diving into dungeons to find his artifact that he wants. He's sending out his minions. So, so again, at the beginning of the game, the players may not have a lair. They may be at the lair from time to time, but they're largely going out and doing minion-y stuff. But as they rise through the ranks they'll spend more time in the lair or even start to own the lair. And and at that point, they have to uh, hold off and defend themselves from these heroes that are coming to coming to get them in their lair, right? Oh, exactly. And and because of the good guys, they don't they don't want the evil guys to win, but now you're the evil guys. And so fortunately and on the plus side all of the loot is coming to you now right because they're 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 hand delivering it uh in in on on corpses hopefully if you if you win well if you've got good (laughs) enough minions they take it off the corpses first (laughs) yes i guess that is the that's the benefit of the minions um is doing that another fun part about evil lairs depending on how far into your campaign you are uh, so let's say that you're m- a much higher level, you know, we're not talking level fives anymore, maybe like 10 to 15, maybe even 20, is uh, if you do have an evil lair, all of this evilness that you kind of like have going on, it can cause corrupted environments, the same as, uh, what is it, vampires, wherever their their coffin sits or whatever that they sleep in, it corrupts the environment around them. And if you, my friend happen to be evil enough you Who, too me? can have a corrupted <laughs> environment <laughs> yeah and, and and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about wanting whether or not we wanted to think about evil things all day and and i think that that this kind of plays into it some because this is where you do have to as the dm think a little bit more in depth about what this evil lair what this corruption what this actually means for the environment and how because these 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 players are going these characters are going to be spending more time there than than typically an adventuring party might so what does it mean for them how are you going to describe it 
what things are what things are going to be important to 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 make sure that you talk about as as they they live their days day in and day out in this place. And how is it going to change as they grow more powerful? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, it not only can it expand, you know, a greater distance from their lair or whatever, uh, but it can be, you know, get worse over time, uh, which I think can be exciting. And also, I think also kind of gives uh, like a kind of sense of leveling. Like you'd have this impact on the land around you and you can narrate that as a DM um, to kind of show how your players are having an impact on the world and have that change over time, which I, I think could be interesting have you ever finished running a session of your favorite role-playing game and thought to yourself i'm not really sure i ran that the right way or maybe you just tried out something new in your game and it worked really well and you want everybody to know about it if so you may have the perfect idea for a future episode of Becoming DM. Point your browser to becomingdm.com ideas and fill out our simple form to tell us all about it. You can even let us know that you'd like to be a, a guest co-host for the topic. Submitting your ideas helps John and Danielle relieve pressure on their brains so they can record more episodes. Go to becomingdm.com ideas today to submit your episode idea. Now let's get back to the show. Well, and, and while we're on the subject of layers and things changing, and, and typically this is going to be when they're potentially higher up in the in the evil organization that they're a part of, or maybe even leading it, one of the things, and this goes to how you can change the scope of, of what they're doing, one of the things that you can do is allow them to define traps and countermeasures that and 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 stuff like that that will will hopefully try to take care of the good guys that are trying to come and take take the stuff back and and then based upon those those countermeasures you can you can have a system where where you're like oh yeah you've got this party that's coming here and and they can even direct their forces to go to certain parts of the of the lair to try and try and push back and stuff like that and and you can you can figure out how those traps and stuff you can get really into it if you want to and if it's something that your players are into because it it is taking a step away from more of the the combat exploration and uh and role playing that that is core to D&D and kind of adding a, a yet another layer onto it that's a little bit higher strategic stuff but if that's what if that's something that they're interested in at least on a short term basis it can be fun because they they they're typically going through these dungeons and, and dealing with all the countermeasures that you as the DM put down, and now they're putting down their own that that like you're sending good guy uh, parties through. My question for you: So you just said they have to go through my dungeon that I put the countermeasures in. So if I le- if I'm letting them put countermeasures into their own dungeon, essentially making them the dungeon creators, mm-hmm. do I as the DM get to know where they put their traps before I assail it? So I think that I think that doing something like this, you you as the DM are not going to be actually walking through a walking a party through this 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 dungeon. Um 
you're probably going to have some sort of percentile role that's affected by the the countermeasures that they put in place that makes it go makes it harder to to achieve or something like that to see if they get through it because you're not going to be you're not going to want to spend the the time of your session of of basically you role playing the party going through the through the dungeon <laughs> um, probably not now, Probably if you, not. If you really wanted to go next level and you had two gaming groups, you could have the good guy gaming group that you're doing go through the, the dungeon in their session, and then you can tell tell the other party how how they did. Um, but that that that's a lot of coordination that I don't think I would want to do. <laughs> I, th- I think that it, the coordination aspect um, really kills that dream for me as well. Yeah. But the the cool factor of... It's like it's like one of those like life goals. If you could ever make this happen and have two opposing parties <laughs> that run into each other in this epic battle, and then you just bring all eight of them or ten of them to the table and be like, and now you fight. And I think that that would be great, even though I would never actually want to do the work for it. Yep. Yeah. So it, we talked- it would be interesting. Oh, so. sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, we've been talking about things that uh, can kind of make it exciting. And uh, I think that this, uh, for me, I am an animal person. I... Ah, that that might be a bad lead up for this. I love animals. <laughs> <laughs> but as, as evil... As evil characters, you would still... Certain classes would still get, like, com- companions and such. But you can have... You can implement, like, cursed companions... Uh, and the, the curses don't need to be that bad. We can still love the animals. Um, but I think that you can have a little bit of fun with that and uh, maybe provide your party with uh, like a kind of a custom list of of animal companions that they can choose from and uh, add a little bit of uh, flavor that way. And uh, I think that that could really spice it up, give them a whole new list, um, different abilities that they can choose from. And that's going to change. I mean, they've already changed everything about how they're playing this game. Yep. Why not uh, Why not flavor up the companions and familiars too? Well, and I think that some of those those curses that you put on those animal companions could give them abilities. Um, hopefully those abilities are, are maybe beneficial to the characters, but maybe sometimes they have a, a side effect or something that goes along with them. And that's part of the curse. There's a lot of different things that you could do there um, to where the, the curse is beneficial to the, to the, to the characters uh, if you want to go that route. I'm also thinking like if, if you're an evil character and so familiars are like an extension of yourself, animal companions are essentially like an animal that you convince to be your friend sort of what kind of but, animal uh, would befriend that guy <laughs> no like it's a it maybe the animal itself is evil and as much as they're you know hanging out with this guy because he gives him food or whatever uh they're also like a little bit mean you know <laughs> like maybe they're not as helpful as they should be like they're still helpful in important situations um, because they have the same goals or however that goes. But, you know, maybe maybe they just, just steal all their rations or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, we've been talking about kind of injecting this darkness with corrupted environments and cursed champions and stuff like that. But I do think it's important to to balance that darkness with some fun. And 
because again, this is not a, a type of campaign that, that your players are probably used to playing. So having a little bit of levity in there, doing some things that, that are fun, um, can, can be, can be good for you. Uh, one of the things that I like doing is is having quirky and weird NPCs because just because an NPC is even if an NPC is evil, they can be quirky and weird. Um, not every single evil character in the world is this polished, brooding mastermind. There's there's just as many goofy, low level uh, screw ups. <laughs> Actually, there's probably more of those than there are the 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 super polished highly capable brooding masterminds right oh exactly like even i don't know why but i started thinking about like the transformers and mm -hmm. you have like the decepticons which is you know you've got uh, megatron he's like the brains of the operation but then you have the rest of them and uh <laughs> and you know they're working their way up but you know there's there's levels of minions that they have to go to and talking about quirky and weird also i was thinking about uh uh, you could watch shows like Beetlejuice because mm -hmm. I feel like Beetlejuice would make like that type of character could make a very interesting NPC, super quirky, super weird, that kind of flavor of show you could watch and really pull a lot of inspiration from. Yep. On the other side of the, uh, of the good, bad thing, you can also really go overboard on on the good guy trope. So like take all those Boy Scout qualities of and and just go like way over the top. And and I think that that if you want to have some some light humor going over the top on these like tropey stereotypes as long as they're like stereotypes that are not not uh in in really poor taste. Um, I think can I think can can add uh, add that that uh, sense of humor to the game, t counter counter take counter the darkness to some extent, stuff like that. I'm also thinking, like as soon as you said like this over the top good guy thing, I feel like from a evil person's perspective, when they encounter somebody who's just naturally good and just a normal but like good person they probably feel like most of the stuff that they say is over the top and yeah. boy scouty and very and so in that way you would kind of be assisting in immersing your your players into into the the psyche i guess of their characters being like oh this guy again talking about handing me crackers well, i don't want your stupid crackers well and, and like to that you can you can have the bad guys have their own like inside jokes about the good guys that they that they'll say directly in front of them but the good guy doesn't necessarily know what they're talking about and so you can have this whole like back and forth between them that 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 is using that over the top trope um and then making fun of it within making fun of it who that got deep fast <laughs> um <laughs> one of my favorite things to do and i like doing this even even with um even with with my non-evil campaigns, I like to find a funny or wholesome thing that each character likes. And so this is part of part of my session zero where I'll ask them like, what's what's your what's your uh, what's something that you're not proud of but that you really enjoy or or something like that. And then if you have that and you feel like things are just going too dark or whatever, you can just introduce this thing at at, at, at any time. 
um, like the bunnies, like, oh, hey, you see uh, in the, out of the corner of your eye, you see a bunny. And if the again, if the player is like into into uh, role playing, they can really like go, oh, my gosh, got to go get the bunny and like totally, totally derail the the serious, heavy moment that was going on. If that's what, again, if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, that's that's such a good idea. Just have something in the bank where you can kind of ease off the tension at any moment when you like need to. You're like, I need to change directions like really quick right now. And uh, I mean, asking people like the communication level of that is (laughs) it's just it's just a good idea. Just ask them what they like. Yeah. And then just write that down and use that to break tension later. Um, it's a really good idea and talking about breaking tension because I think that, uh, these games can get, like you said, we have to add a little bit of fun to, to kind of balance out the darkness. I feel like, and this might not be something that's relevant to every evil campaign, but I like the idea of making redemption possible for your players because at, at one point in time, it might just feel too heavy right mm-hmm. and giving that uh, that option to kind of move away from it um players might appreciate that that's obviously per table um but i, I do i do think it's worth considering yeah so some of it does again it does kind of go back to whether that's something that your players have any interest in because um and and by and you should also make sure and I, I don't think anybody's thinking this, but I, I'll state it just to make sure you shouldn't force that redemption on them. If if you offer them this path that would redeem the, their character and they say, I'm going this other way, I got some children to, to, to kill with with my with my character here and and it's got to get done. Um, <laughs> then don't force them down the, the redemption path because they've obviously made that choice. And they've obviously gone that way. And if you force them down that you've, you've basically stolen their ending from them. Um, so do approach it with a, with a le- level of caution because oftentimes if somebody has chosen to do this evil campaign, they've chosen it for, for a reason. And, and it very well could be that that reason is because they eventually want to get to a point of redemption but that's not going to be every single player out there. Yeah, it's really not going to be every single player out there. Um, I think it would probably be, you know, one or two who kind of like the idea of choosing it. And if you didn't play it till like level 20 or whatever, say you played it till uh, level 8 or 10, and this player decided to take this uh, this redemption arc, right, and kind of move on, then I think it'd be interesting to kind of like port that character into a different campaign um where they could like write all their wrongs or something like that and you fully built out like huge character background um or if you're doing like the the actual redemption arc in your campaign um one way to do that would be just doing it really small like just slowly little small nuance changes to alignment over time uh, as they make choices and uh, and just kind of easing them back towards the light. And and I think that that is a there's an opportunity there especially if you have have some characters that are pursuing that redemption and some that are not 
because those that are not, uh, they could they could start to notice these changes and be unhappy about it. But as long as they're still getting their way, as long as they can still use this person to accomplish their goals, they may not care much about it. Um, but once again, once they accomplish those goals, based upon where that other characters in the redemption arc, it could cause this rift where, where, um, you're dead to me. I have no need for you anymore. And, and if it's a, if it's a, if it's a one shot, I think that's perfectly fine. I think it's, it's kind of a, an interesting, cool way to wrap the one shot. Again, if you're having a redemption arc and a one shot, it has to be really quick. So think about how you (laughs) might, might do that. Um, if you're doing it in a campaign, then, then that redemption arc should be towards the end of the campaign if you're expecting to have this sort of rift there because otherwise you end up like with your campaign broken because these two characters just split and won't work with each other anymore. Yeah, it would definitely not uh, not be great. But uh, I know we kind of talked about doing small nuance changes. Something that, and I mean, you don't want to do this in a regular campaign that often, right? Um, so I feel like it would be the same versus with an evil, but there are things, spells, artifacts, um, curses or blessings in this case that can just change somebody's alignment. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't really know if that would count as a redemption arc because if, if the change was affected onto them, right, then they didn't technically choose it. So maybe not. I mean, you could like I'm I'm stretching here, but but I'll stretch. You could have <laughs> have somebody who's playing a character that that starts off really on the far end of evil, but they have this desire to change. But they they continue to fight against themselves and, and they hear about this artifact and so they're pursuing the artifact to to take the shortcut easy route to redemption. Um, and then, and then you can have them change and then based upon, and then they could even potentially like make that choice that like, sure, it changed my alignment and I, I'm doing some things differently, but it did not change who I am at my core. And I'm just slowly going back into the evil route. So there, there's, again, it, it largely depends on the kind of players you have and, and whether that's something that they would come up with. Cause it's not something that I would, I would. I would push on them by any means. Yeah, you definitely want to um, continue giving your players agency. If they do want a redemption arc, absolutely. If they don't want it, um, you probably shouldn't make them because D&D is all about writing a story together. And uh, as soon as you basically take the reins away from anybody at the table, uh, you're kind of messing with the flow. Yep, absolutely. So do we have anything else that we wanted to talk about, about evil campaigns? I think that I am all tapped out on evilness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that um, if this is something that you're you're interested in doing with your game group, I would, as we said earlier, don't jump all the way in and say, we're doing this full-blown campaign. Try it out with a one-shot. And if it's something that everybody really gets into... You can, tra- you can extend that one shot into a more than one shot, or you can decide to start a new campaign based on, upon the fact that everybody liked being evil and it, it all worked out. 
But if you, if they don't like that, don't like what happened in the one shot, and you didn't like what happened, then you can just set it aside and say we're never doing this again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> say goodbye to evil. Uh, <laughs> but uh, whatever it is, just again ask those questions. Make sure that the players are 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 really into it, and and this is something that everybody wants to do because everybody does need to be having fun at the table um, over the over the term of the game. So. I think that's all we have for you this week. Um, Come back in a couple of weeks, and we will see you then. Until then, stay stay nerdy, friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are Becoming DM. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.